0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
3: Hello, and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we uh, work your way through opening headlines and... What a June it has been, Robin, as uh, Nebraska held camps, workouts, official visitors, 19 official visitors, uh, 60 players in for private workouts, hundreds of guys on campus for camps, coaches on the road for satellite camps, and this weekend it comes to an end, and it will will be dead. There will be one week in July that you could technically bring guys in for a workout um, or an on-campus visit. Uh, but other than that, you know, it, it's it's going to quiet down here. But I think Nebraska has maximized this month. Um, they went in swinging. They had a game plan. They were able to get seven commits at least as of taping time here Wednesday. And I, I think the biggest thing we've learned this month is how small this class is going to be. And I think it's going to be that way for a lot of teams around the country until we learn more about the numbers and kind of what the NCAA wants to do with these COVID-19 uh, extra years that have been handed out.
4: Yeah, it seems like that's kind of uh, the big unknown right now, as far to how as far as how to formulate your your upcoming classes. Because you, I guess, there's we just don't know about the opportunities guys are going to have that are currently on the roster to come back for another season. How many are going to want to come back for another season? So. That's uh, going to be a really tricky thing to navigate around, I think. And I think you're going to, like you said, see teams probably keep their classes small until more answers on that front start to kind of clear up.
3: Well, in Nebraska, in their situation today, going into this season, they have 52 scholarship freshman players that are either going to carry a true freshman tag or a redshirt freshman tag. Wow. Um, I mean, that, that that's insane uh-huh. um, when you think about it in those terms. So... I think there's also a sense that, you know what, no matter what, we're taking a smaller class this year because of the balance. I mean, they want to be able to have a uh, you know a better overall long-term roster balance with these numbers, and maybe you load up and take your 15 guys in high school this year if you can, and then you're, you're going to have some other spots that you can use for the portal because, let's face it, the portal is only going to get bigger. Oh, yeah. And this situation that we're talking about right now with the numbers – it's just going to add more guys to the portal.
4: Sure, because you know guys are going to be jumping into situations that uh, aren't exactly what they maybe had envisioned. But you know, for for Nebraska's kind of sit, current situation, you know, we talk about all these kind of hoops they have to navigate through uh, with that extra year, but also they're trying to make up for you know, almost 15 months of lost time in terms of in-person recruiting. And so, you know, just what's your sense on? how Nebraska has done this month in terms of capitalizing on finally being able to get in front of kids, get them on campus with camps, workouts, visits, all that stuff while also trying to maintain a balance of not, you know, having the the floodgates open and then you're you're kind of in a bad position going ahead with your roster management uh, once this extra year stuff kind of gets figured out.
3: I think it's going to test the patience of the staff more than anything because we've been so used to them having a full boat of 25 and 18 and 19 and 20 where they literally could sign, you know, and and get a little bit aggressive and and push it on the number situation. Well, now this is the first time since Scott Frost has been here that he's not going to necessarily have the ability to take a full 25. And then that puts you in a spot where you know you got a guy like Tyler Martin a four-star linebacker mm-hmm. well you have Jake Applegate, and you have Ernest Hausman already committed as an inside and an outside backer Martin's kind of a a could play either or he's closer to a Darius Payne type today right now they can't take his commit and and that that's that's what's going to test you you know Vince Genitone from North Platte Nine out of ten years, he's he's probably an offer guy for Nebraska based on what he showed. Uh, Carson Hagerly out of North Dakota, he's an offer guy for a lot of teams in a full class year, but when you're talking about a limited class year, Hagerly is a Wyoming guy because he can't get a Big Ten offer right now because everybody has a slimmed-down list of guys they're going to take, and that's where a Hagerly or a Genitone maybe gets squeezed out. And I, I think that's the hard thing because uh, you're seeing a lot of guys that are running four fours and four fives broad jumping 10 something verticaling 36 plus testing out well on all all the drills and that's still not getting them a 2022 offer
4: yeah and so i mean there, there's that side of it too and then there's also the side of um you know potential guys that might be coming back and i know there's a lot of questions about you know who would be likely candidates currently on the roster that would be able to have an extra year of eligibility that would come back. And the first guy everybody asks about is Adrian Martinez and how that's going to impact Nebraska's quarterback situation, their future recruiting. Obviously they're still heavily pursuing multiple quarterbacks and in, in future classes, but I mean, w- kind of what's your read on Adrian right now? Obviously we have a whole year to kind of discuss this, but uh, do you think that there's any remote chance he would come back for a fifth season as the starting quarterback
3: i think in his mind he he has it said that this is his final year and, and the, the approach he's taken behind the scenes and things i've heard i think he knows this is his last shot because one way or the other it's either going to go really well or really poor and if it goes really well i think that's his opportunity to, to try the next level and i know people scoff at that take but guys when he was a freshman coming out of that into that year I mean, he was talked about as a guy that would only be at Nebraska for three years. Then his sophomore year, the snaps started going over his head. The receiver talent went down immensely. And the running back, obviously, consistency was not there. And then he got hurt. So his sophomore year really hurt him. And he did have moments last year where he looked really good. uh, But – They had him doing too much, which led to those fumble issues that we saw at times. And the interceptions weren't a problem other than the Rutgers game. I mean, he threw some picks in the Rutgers game. He went five games in a row before that without a pick. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot there to chew on. I mean, if he puts up the type of year he's capable of, 3,000-plus yards passing and very, very good rushing numbers, maybe 50 to 80 rushing yards a game, it's hard to say what they're going to do. I think at that point, he's going to go pro and just try it and move on. I just don't know if he wants to go through another year of this. I think mentally, he's preparing it like this is it.
4: Well, and I just wonder how that's going to impact the quarterback room behind him. You know, with that still technically on the table, I mean, yeah, it seems like all signs are pointing to him moving on, but there's still a chance that he might. Come back, and then what does that do to the staff? I mean, you currently have two freshman eligible quarterbacks on the roster. You have a commit, Richard Torres, uh, in the twenty-two class. You're already recruiting guys for the twenty-four class, and so I mean, I just wonder like what what that looming question does for how Nebraska handles probably the most delicate position on the roster, a quarterback.
3: This is what they're gonna have to do this season. You're gonna get a read where it's going with Martinez. You're gonna know, and then you're gonna also know what Smothers and Harburg can do. Mm -hmm. And as you get to November, you really gotta know, okay, what do we think Adrian's gonna do? And how are the other two progressing? And at that point, let's say Adrian moves on, then you gotta decide, are we comfortable with Harburg and or Smothers being the guy in 2022? If not, we need to find a portal guy that can be here in January to compete with those guys in the spring. And maybe it's a one-year portal guy. Maybe it's a two-year portal guy. Who knows? But I think that's long-term thought. That's where I'm looking at the quarterback thing. Because let's face it, you're opening 2022 in Ireland with Northwestern. Mm-hmm. A very good, accomplished defensive coach and Pat Fitzgerald. So you better have a quarterback ready for you know his first collegiate start and go against uh, a good defensive coach like Pat Fitzgerald.
4: Yeah, for sure. And you know I think that the evaluation part of it is is really the key component because right now. You know, people are kind of projecting, you know, myself included, Heinrich Harburg, potentially being the number two going into the season. But that's based off 15 practices and winter workouts. You know, I mean, there's such a small sample size, really, with both those guys that Nebraska needs to know what it has. And I think that might influence how they handle Adrian Martinez. And assuming they do need to go the transfer route, Adrian moves on. The doors are going to be substantially Wider and more uh, open to find quality quarterbacks than they are this past, this offseason. Because right now, who wants to just come in and be a backup as a transfer? Where now you're selling the pitch of coming in and potentially being a starter. I think that's going to have a uh, much bigger talent pool to choose from if that's the route they have to go.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as you wrap this up, Robin. Um, name, image, and likeness is on the horizon right now as July 1 is here. Um, we saw the ncaa throw up a hail mary to the u.s supreme court and they got shot down i mean i think it was pretty unanimous no matter which way the justices lean left or right all of them agree this needs to move forward Mm -hmm. and you know the athletes need to to make money and 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 should have that opportunity to to monetize there's still one potential roadblock and and that is congress um you know there this is going to go to congress potentially So that's the only thing that's going to get in the way of this from now to July 1. If it doesn't, it's going to start in Nebraska July 1. And they're going to be one of a handful of states that will be open for business. And this is going to change
4: a lot of things forever. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be uh, probably the biggest separator of the haves and have-nots in terms of collegiate athletics. And it's not just football or basketball. I mean, it's everything. And uh, athletic departments are going to be defined in different classes, especially to start off because so many schools are going to be either, um, you know, propelled or limited by their state, Legislation, And so uh, I know on July 1st, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, Alabama, and Georgia uh, are all going to pass their NIL laws uh, to kind of get that into effect. Nebraska obviously already has its past. So those schools and those states are going to have such a leg up in terms of capitalizing on this new legislature.
3: All right. We have a big show in front of us. Joining us next in studio will be Nebraska basketball brothers Bryce and Trey McGowns. Uh, they popped upstairs here to the Huscarline offices, and they'll join us next. You're listening here to the Huskarline Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week,
0: you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment
1: that is a harsh lesson in business sports is not
0: as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't
1: want to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so
2: many more doors the show
1: is called the The Deal. deal listen to the deal
0: listen to the deal on spotify you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics
3: and welcome back here to the husker online show sean callahan Robin Washed, and as I told you, we have some very special guests in studio, uh, just making their way downtown here. Decided to stop in the post office and join us here at huskeronline.com. Brothers Bryce and Trey McGowns uh, joining Robin Washed and I here, as you're going to get to know these guys very well on the basketball court for Nebraska. Bryce and Trey, thanks for coming up here. It's great to see you guys, and uh, I know a lot of Nebraska basketball fans are excited about what's coming with you guys here um, this this season at Nebraska.
5: No, um, most definitely. Um, we expect a big year um, individually and as a team.
4: So Bryce obviously you've just been here uh, but uh, a lot of, a lot of fanfare already for you uh, What's your early impressions of, of life in Lincoln and uh, you know the, the beginning few weeks of your, your Nebraska career here Yeah so far
6: it's going real well you know um, getting a lot of love you know a lot of support early in the uh, basketball process and you know I want to thank everybody for showing the love and support uh, they're giving me.
3: We're talking to brothers Bryce and Trey McGowns here on the Husker Online Show. So what's going on right now? What does a Nebraska basketball player do in June? I mean, cause you're all here and I mean, it's pretty intense. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize like how much work you guys are putting in right now in the middle of the summer.
5: I mean, that's that's right when we got back into it, um, things were really hot, um, heating up. I mean, for us, we work out before lift and then we'll have the lift, team lift of course, and then team workout. And then we'll get shots up after. Um and then we'll come back like later, like f- before five o'clock just to get some extra work. But this week we're, we're kinda in the team um, workouts and we look we look real good today That's um in team workouts.
4: I want to ask you, obviously last year was so crazy, you know, when you get here, I mean, with with the COVID stuff and all that, uh, how different is the feeling around the program right now compared to the chaos from a year ago to now where you actually know who your teammates are? You've played games together. Uh, There's some continuity and uh, chemistry there. I mean, maybe just describe a little bit the difference between this year's locker room and the workouts you've had so far compared to a year ago.
5: Um, I mean, it was just a lot of excitement um, coming off last year, how we kind of finished the end of the season. Um, And then just coming forward, um, everybody putting in work at home or just together as a team. Um, So, yeah, just we've
3: been going real hard. Bryce, what's it been like for you? I mean, just knowing the expectations that have been already placed on you coming in as one of the only five-star recruits ever at Nebraska, Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not the typical freshman walking on campus right now. How how have you managed just those expectations and and kind of stayed focused on what needs to get done?
6: Uh, Really just uh, continue to stay humble, uh, come in and work every day, uh, learn from, you know, uh, the the vets, um, including my brother, uh, the coaches, the great coaching staff we have, and just continue to, you know, keep my head down and and just keep working and continue to uh, grow as a person and as a player.
4: I just want to ask you guys, what does this mean for your family? I mean, I know this was the reason you're here is because Trey was here. I mean, for for better or worse, but like for for you guys to be able to play college basketball together. I mean, I know this is a big deal not only for you two but for your parents and you know for your extended family. I mean, just just what does this coming season mean for for you guys and your family?
5: Um, personally, I think it means a lot to our family um I, I can just remember the day that bryce committed or it told the coaches that he was committing i really didn't know because i didn't really want to get like much into it sure. um because i just wanted to let him make his own decision but i mean when <laughs> coach matt had told me that bryce told him um he was coming then i think uh, a couple days later he ended up committing i was just super excited the whole week um especially the day he committed um i was i was just really really excited
4: and Bryce I know you had a lot of options Mm -hmm. I mean there's basically you had your pick of the litter for any school in the country but you know playing with with Trey and obviously the relationship you had with coach Matt and the rest of the staff uh was a big part of that I mean how how much did that play into your decision and you know I guess when it came down to it was there any other school you were considering above Nebraska at any point um really what came down to it was really just you know the connections you know
6: connections are everything you know having uh, an older brother that um you know w- our game complements each other mm-hmm. off well and you know and just having uh you know the past uh, well the the rep- well you know just us being brothers sure, sure. It, it it means a lot and really just you know the, the coaching staff having, having nba coaches uh who coached on nba teams in the in the, um in our system and off the court um you know, just having uh, in the weight room, mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, having Coach Kurt. you know, he's been working uh, with a lot of uh, great guys. And the time I've been with them for now, I've, I've had great improvements over the uh, past few
4: weeks.
3: Bryce, if you didn't pick Nebraska, who was the runner up? Uh, Georgia. Georgia.
4: Yes, sir. With Tom, Coach mm-hmm. Kreen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, how, many, how often did you guys play together? I mean, before this? Never? Uh, this will be the, your first time? Well,
6: we used to, I think, when it we was were It was 8-under. He yeah. was 5 and I was 8. <laughs> he's so, a, he's so a curious. So it's been a while. OK. He's a curious carry. So
4: I guess, uh, <laughs> Trey, obviously, you know, your, your brother comes with a lot of excitement for the fan base. What what, what should Nebraska fans expect from him?
5: Um, some, someone who's going to give it his all on the defensive end and the offensive end. Um, big time bucket getter. He can definitely put the ball in the hoop. Um, he can slash. And um, what he developed, like, the past couple of years while I've been gone, um, he used to not like to play defense too much. But <laughs> <laughs> he definitely can play defense this year. So um, he, was, he was telling me about his goals. And the, one of his goals is um, he wanted to make the defensive team. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's one of my goals, too. So that should yeah. – it, it would be great if we could um, make it together.
4: So, I mean, what did you learn from last year about the Big Ten and about – I mean, obviously you played – Power Five basketball before, but uh, you know what was it about this conference uh, that that jumped out to you? I mean, it was as good as the league has been in some time last year, and you guys got thrown right into it. You know, including a month layoff and then having to play basically every other day. It seemed like uh, maybe just kind of just describe last season and just how big of an adjustment that was for you.
5: Um. Well, what I didn't know is how fast the Big Ten actually plays. Mm. Um. I mean when i watched the games and when i was younger um i think the big 10 kind of played like slower pace sure. um so like i always had that um, made up in my mind um but i mean during the recruiting process when i was transferring um, the film that coach hoiberg and the staff had gotten to me and then just the breakdowns um i mean i just saw myself developing um really well in this system um i mean this like last summer i feel like i got a lot better and Then this this summer the strides I made so far, like Bryce said, um with Coach Nate, mm-hmm. um, with the we got a new GA, um Hallis, um, Coach Horvick, Um, we just been in the gym working and then Coach Kurt, um since he's been in there, I'm um, a the new strength coach. Um he came from the Timberwolves. Um, I think we've been working a month and during that month, like the before and after, I put on seven pounds of muscle really? and lost two pounds of fat. Wow. So definitely knows yeah. what he's
4: doing yeah I'd heard that you were feeling uh, about as quick on your feet as maybe you ever have yeah. in your career do you think that's a direct reflection of the work with uh, Kurt Joseph the new strength coach definitely so I guess uh, you also mentioned Nate Lenzer uh, the new assistant coach uh, obviously you know he's got professional experience he had you know graphics with Derek rose and and all those types of guys touting yeah. him i guess what what type of impact has he had in the short amount of time being able to work with him
5: um I mean I mean just from like a, a whole, like just him as a person, I'm um, like outside of basketball, just picking his brain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he, he definitely knows basketball. And I mean, sometimes you just go up there and then you just sit up in his office, just just yeah. to learn new things and then sure. just to hear stories. Cause I mean, he has been in the
6: NBA, mm-hmm. he's been a lot of places, so yeah. And on top of that, you know, he's, he's real good with detail and you know, uh, Anything I can pick up, you know, we can pick up as a team, as individuals. You know, we have a team where we gonna listen and we want to be better. So, just being around him is great. Yeah. All right, I gotta
3: ask you guys as we wrap it up here: Who wins the one-on-one game to ten?
5: The <laughs> last one we played, it was like king of the court. And Bryce won. Who think it was me, Keyshawn? Um, he plays at Buffalo. Um, now, um, Preston, he he played at for last year. And then Bryce, like Bryce, has a big offensive back like he's he's a scorer like he, he really he really is a bucket getter you give him some of so really those excited. like
3: old man 1980s nba fouls a little bit <laughs> send a <Nah, him> message <laughs>
5: but like it's like you, you're playing great de- great defense he's just so tall so long and then i mean his like he's once he sees the rim he's just super super locked in so like you'll play great defense uh, like P.J. Tucker was, <laughs> K.D., hand <laughs> <then just laughs> in his face. P.J., K.D. There's nothing you can do.
3: So what age did he close the gap on you where you're like, man?
5: <laughs> probably, my senior year probably? Yeah, because I was kind of away, and then I remember, no, nah, I was junior year. Um, I remember he told me he was going to have a big playoff. Um, <laughs> playoffs. Um, and then I think y'all ended up losing in the state championship, right? Yeah, we lost Upper State. Yeah, lost Upper State, but Bryce was having some big games. He ended up having sixty-seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was and a great playoff yeah, uh, play yeah, run. I think that was really like when he became like five-star Bryce mm-hmm. McGowan, mm-hmm. and like the the switch just um, flipped for him um, after that.
4: So you, I know Coach Hoberg has mentioned it's either seventy or eighty percent. I don't know exactly what it is, but mm-hmm. of returning minutes and production from last season. Mm-hmm. Yourself included, you add in a consensus top twenty recruiting class. Uh, I guess what are expectations within the program for this year? I mean, the last two years have been tough. I yeah. mean, think like fourteen wins in the last two years. Mm-hmm. What should be the expectation for this season coming up?
5: Um, for us, it's national tournament. Um, a, r- a run in it at that. Um, we wanna. I don't think Nebraska Never. has had a <laughs> uh, win in the NCAA tournament, so. Um, like, that that's a, that's a good goal to have, but, like, we're, we're looking um bigger than that.
3: Well, guys, this has been fun uh, having you guys stop up here in studio and looking forward to – there's a lot of stuff going on with college athletes, and we're looking forward uh, to kind of what the future brings, and uh, we appreciate the time.
6: Yes, sir. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having
3: us. All right, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
7: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Greg Peterson, Abby Barmore now joining us here in studio as it's time to take your questions in the mailbag. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our good friends, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th in Yankee Hill. If you have not been in there, it is the preferred hangout of Husker Online as um, it's, it's a place to go to watch uh, all the College World Series, all the NBA playoff games, all the baseball. They have it all. Best wings in town. Get on into Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. But we've got a big mailbag today. Abby, where do you want to start us out with?
8: The first question is, with all the talk about the importance of starting 3-0, and how badly does a loss to Illinois hurt momentum this season? Well, oh, there's no
3: question. I mean, I I just think right now the the, the fan base is so on edge that just something like that, an opening loss on the road, would really spark things. And I'm not saying the season's over at that point, because it's not. I mean, I remember in 2012, Pelini's team lost at UCLA when they should have won that game. And people thought the world was coming to an end. And Nebraska finished that year 10-2 and and went to the Big Ten title game and got beat by Wisconsin, as we know, but... Um, So early season losses can do one of two things. It can kind of destroy your season like USC in 2007 um, or, you know, turn your season another direction like 2012 UCLA did for Nebraska. So it's big, though, uh, because I just think this team needs to win three games in a row. It's never happened under Scott Frost.
4: (laughs) That's insane. So. I mean I think it's pretty safe to make the claim that this is the most important season opener of the Frost era and I don't think it's close. I mean uh, obviously there were some big ones Colorado early but this one just considering the situation and the, the, the current uh, kind of pressure around the program a win is so important especially that it's conference play and that and you're playing a team with a first year head coach and Brett Beal now to be fair Illinois has like 21 or 22 returning super seniors on that roster. And so they're going to be as experienced as any roster in the big 10 conference. But that being said, you are playing a first year program. That's doing a whole bunch of systematic changes. You're in year four. You have uh, as good of a roster if you've had uh, since frost has been here. Now's the time to go get it done. And if you lose that on the road, that is getting your, uh, a critical season in the frost era off to a very, very poor start.
2: No-brainer. you got to win these games. And Nebraska's got to start winning these games that they're supposed to win. And if you drop that first game at Illinois on the road, you're starting out behind the eight ball again, and uh, it's an uphill battle the rest of the way.
3: All right, what do you have next, Abby?
8: Will the defense have a harder time getting sacks or getting turnovers this season?
3: <sighs> That's a tough one. I remember that question in the chat. And I think they're set up this year to be the best they've been under Frost in both categories. I mean, Deontay Williams, Cam Taylor-Britt, those guys are going to get some interceptions. Mm-hmm. I think JoJo Dolman's going to get some picks this year. I do think the pass rush will be interesting, but Stilly, Feldarius Payne, Ty Robinson, Casey Rogers, Caleb Tanner, Garrett Nelson, they have more options in that than they've had under Frost.
4: Yeah, I think my answer was turnovers just because the one thing that they don't have is that proven Randy Gregory type pass rusher. And until they get that guy, pass rush is going to be an issue and it's going to have to be a collective effort. And so I think they have more horses than they've ever had to do that. But right now, when you look at what's the strength, I think creating turnovers and the playmakers they have on the back end is probably getting an edge there. Well said. Thanks.
3: <laughs> what do you got next, Abby?
8: Will Marquis step become a full participant in summer or fall camp?
3: Um, he is, I think now doing some portion of it now as we speak but, you know, I'm more interested in his conditioning level. I mean, this is a large man. He's not a little scat back. He's got a lot of weight on his body as a running back, very thick tree trunk type legs. Um, so how will his body come back? Because it's clear since high school, he's taken a pounding on his body, and that's the way he runs. Um, and, and where will he be in the mix? Will he get good reps? And can you afford – are you able to give him good reps – In in camp right away. I think you have to at the beginning because. You kind of invested in this guy being a guy, but he's, he's got to be in condition to do it.
4: Well, then you got to worry about durability too. I mean, yeah. this is an injury that was still a problem for him months after his last game at USC. Uh, I mean, how much of an issue is that going to be even after this much time off to rehab? Uh, you know, is it going to be one of those things that plagues him for the rest of his career? That's, that's a, a question that could very well dictate how big of an impact he has.
2: Yeah, and I've been looking for him out there uh, during camps and have not seen him walking around at all. Like, you know, we've seen Tom was out there walking around without a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Taylor Britt. I mean, camp a lot of Taylor. guys. Yeah, so um, I, I was trying to see get my eyeballs on him, and I haven't. So uh, it's kind of hard to judge right now. But, yeah, you do. You hope that uh, he's in condition and
4: ready to go when fall camp. Well, starts. Greg Austin during the Big Red Blitz said he is done with his rehab and in the weight room working out. So, I mean, that's the latest official update we've gotten on
3: that. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Abby Barmore. Abby, what is next?
8: To kind of keep with the running back conversation, when we are facing a third and one, will the offensive line be able to give a good push? And which running back will you want taking that handoff?
3: Yes, and I mean, I think you got to start. I think Gabe Irvin and and Yant would be Mm. the two I'd go with in that situation. Um, Marvin Scott's in there. I still still think Irvin is – the the guy if i had to name one today i think he's got the leg up right now
4: yeah but yant i mean <laughs> that guy yeah. uh he's gonna have a role and if he's going to have any one role that's probably going to be it short yardage bowling ball just go get your one yard and move the chains and if i mean if the, <laughs> there's probably not a guy that fits that bill more in that running back room than jock yant
2: i think you do you have to use him there um you're gonna have to establish that right away but you know the way Ryan Held likes to do things. He kind of goes with the guy that's hot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that that, that is going to dictate things uh, sure. during the game flow.
3: What do you got next, Abby?
8: To kind of switch to recruiting. So, do you think that Vince Genitone from North Platte's is going to get an offer?
3: I think he's going to have to wait if he wants it. Uh, I talked to Al, his father, this week for a long time, and, and they were um, in Pullman, Washington, just wrapping up camp at Washington State. And um, he's kind of in this – tough spot where everyone's short on numbers he's done everything possible in terms of 40 time vertical uh, testing marks drills and frost and barrett root have just told them and even as early as least recent as this week you just need to wait be patient um and they i think they want to be a husker too it's not like they, they moved to nebraska from north platte or i'm sorry they moved to north platte from wyoming and they're, they're 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 originally from the west coast his dad played at Washington State. But I still believe playing at Nebraska would be his preference. So I do believe I'd put up over 50% chance he gets an offer. I mean, 50 to 60% chance, I'd say right now. I mean, it's going to be close. It's going to be really close.
2: Well, we know, too, in a normal year, yes, he gets an offer. Um, this year, it's just going to be tough with the numbers that that Nebraska is bringing in. Um, we both really like the kid. You know, we've seen him in in person, and uh, he's a heck of a football player. And somebody's going to get a good one there. Um, we we hope he does end up here at Nebraska. All
3: right, we got time for two more, Abby. What's next?
8: We know that Dylan Raiola's recruiting is going to blow up. What chance do the Hus- Huskers have at getting him?
3: Well, they've got to be a factor in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. I mean, that that's the reality of it. I mean. Yeah. Scott Frost needs to be the coach here because it's hard to say what it would look like after if if a change were ever to be made down the road, but the program needs to show that it's taking a step forward. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. The railas are very smart football people. They're not going to send or Dylan's not going to go somewhere that doesn't seem like it's on stable ground. So Nebraska football has to be on stable ground. I think that's the biggest thing. And if they are showing a good, growth going forward, Nebraska will have a chance.
4: Yeah, I think they have great chance. I mean, the relationship Dominic Riola uh, has with this university, with this football program, and with Scott Frost is a major advantage. And you're yeah. talking about a kid that when all said and done has five-star potential. Uh, so, I mean, they just got to do something on the field to justify kids wanting to consider Nebraska and that's that's what it ultimately comes down to if you start to win all of a sudden the doors start open with uh, you know Ryle and all the other kids in the later classes
2: yeah you guys hit it both right on the head um, you know this kid's going to get an offer from every division one school in the country and it's not a given anymore if you're a Husker legacy that you're going to end up at Nebraska anymore that's just the bottom line that's the way things are going these days and uh, Nebraska's got to have that winner for him to uh, want to come
3: here alright final question Abby what is last
8: we are less than two months away from the illinois opener and people are starting to plan their road trips where do you guys suggest for them to stay and what's the best place to eat
3: well there's a lot of ways you can go about the trip to champaign um there's two ways you can drive there first of all you can go through i-80 or you can go to st joe missouri and take the the highway which is all four lane mm-hmm. that's the way we prefer um, sneaky
4: sneaky good way
3: and it's 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 more of a relaxing drive um compared to dealing with interstate 80. so or you can fly to Chicago um, and drive, or you can connect on American Airlines into Champaign through Chicago. So there's a lot of ways to get there. It just depends on how you want to do it, Um, but you can, do a weekend in Chicago. You could easily drive in on Saturday morning from Chicago, go to the game, come back to Chicago after. It's like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, and on Saturday morning, wouldn't be bad. Now, yeah. Friday at like two when we get in town, it's usually a bad drive. Yes, um, yes it is. And it's not a pretty drive. No, um, it's,
4: it's <laughs> very <it's>, Rust built.
3: <laughs> it's not a um, Chamber of Commerce drive from sh- Chicago to Champaign, but you know it's an interesting hotel town, Robin. Um, the best hotel I said on the board there's the I Hotel, and that's kind of like the official university hotel. It's mm-hmm. full service, that's where the team stays. Um, my wife actually stayed there for a wedding in Champaign um, the same day as the Purdue game this year when Illinois played, played Purdue in, in Champaign. And it's really nice. But we like the town place suites down there. It's downtown, it's in walking distance from a lot of the festivities, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> which is important. Papa Dell's Pizza, yeah, is a great place to hit up in Champagne.
4: Yeah, so for food, that's probably my number one. Rack. The barbecue, the Del- and then there's Black Dog Smoke and Ale House, which <laughs> there's two locations. It's legit. Yeah, yeah, there are two locations, and you know i have only been to one, but it was legit. Uh, Seven Saints is a kind of a burger type joint that uh, was highly recommended from some of the natives, and if you want a steak. Go to Hamilton Walker.
3: That's where we went. Yeah, and it's 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 not a prime steakhouse. No. for our snakes steak snobs, which yeah, Rob, Rob and I are kind of become steak snobs. Yeah, but it was qual it was a quality no cho- <laughs> choice choice <laughs> options.
4: Yeah, and it's got a little nice nicer vibe to it. So uh, you know, there's there's some sneaky good spots. You know, champagne. Uh, Urbana, that area gets kind of knocked a little bit on not being the most uh, coveted destination in the conference, but you can have a good time there. So if you are going out there for that opener, Nebraska fans, first chance to go to a Nebraska football road game in almost two years, year and a half. than that. There's, those are a couple of good spots that we would recommend.
3: And in. it should be an easy ticket to get. It always has been. Now with Brett Bielema and his first game in mm-hmm. you know, Nebraska, fans traveling. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that place is close to full. Yeah,
4: good point. And they have uh, a, a tailgate set up where there's like a, a field, like a, I don't know if it's a practice field or whatever, that's right outside the stadium where uh, I think you just walk in and you can set up shop there. They have live music going on. So it's the, the tailgating is right next to the stadium. So in that regard, it's nice.
3: Yeah, what else are you going to be doing August 28th too? I mean, it's before Labor Day weekend it's the week before. So I think a lot of people might just say, you know, the heck with it. Let's get in the car. Let's get a hotel. Let's go to Chicago. Let's stay outside or in Champagne, and go mm-hmm. watch Nebraska play a game. Have a beer in the park. I mean, just get back to it.
4: Exactly. We I'll, need
3: it. There are I'll probably
2: be people. in San Antonio watching Richard Torres. Boy. Does he open that weekend?
3: <laughs> I, I haven't looked yet. Uh-uh. I've got Brian Munson <laughs> all fired up to go. So, all right. Well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. We're going to come back um, in the show here. And Brian... Um, not Brian, uh, Greg and Abby, we're going to, we're going to talk camps and put a wrap on camp season. You're listening here to the Oscar online show.
7: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts, offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads, go to lips Now that's L I B S Y N ads.com.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics,
3: and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, now Greg Peterson and Abby Barmore. As guys, we're going to put a wrap on camp season for Nebraska. As it wrapped up on Friday and Saturday, you had Friday Night Lights um, Camp Number Two, and then the Pipeline Camp took place. Um, and Brian Munson will join us here to to kind of recap all the visitors. But I wanted to hit on just. You know, the final camps and what we saw and actually guys Friday Night Lights number two yielded the most offers overall. Abby, I believe we tracked at least six that came out of Friday Night Lights camp number two.
8: Yes, I would agree with that. There was a lot of guys that came up kind of as a surprise. They came up from Chicago, that area. Group and, of four of them. Yeah. Yeah. They took us all by storm, I guess.
3: Yeah, you had Jaleel Martin from the 2022 class. And I don't know how committable his offer is right now. It's kind of an athlete DB wide receiver offer. Um, Then you had Logan Lester, a 2023 wide receiver. Um, And then Malik Elzey, another 2023 um, from the Chicagoland area. And then um, Elmerian Stewart, uh, 2024 from the Chicago area. And they also made an offer to Watts McBride out of Iowa, a 2023 defensive back. So, you know, a lot of attention, Greg, went to Dylan Raiola in this camp and, and what he showed, and rightfully so. But yep. there were a lot of other guys that left Friday night's camp with offers besides Dylan Riolà.
2: Well, yeah, we kept asking, you know, who are, who are these, these guys? Because uh, they all looked apart, right I mean, right away. Abby noticed it right away, too. And, and we had no idea who they were. And, and as the night went on, we were trying to finish up our work, and more offers kept coming out. And <laughs> it was kind of crazy. But, yeah, there was a lot of guys that, that really stood out. Um, you know, I, I really like what Davion Hall looks like now with his body. My goodness, he, he's a specimen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he he was very impressive looking too. And, and Benjamin Bramer, uh, again, shows why he's already a, a Nebraska commit for the 2023 class because he's he's a stud. Um, but, yeah, Dylan Rayola, I, you know, we were both just. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been, we've been doing this for 20 years. I, I, I don't know if anybody's uh, that we know that's seen more high school football games and players than I have. But, oh, my. <laughs> I mean, I'm still amazed He's by 6'3", what I He's 230, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never seen anybody be able to throw the ball like that at that age. It's just insanely just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of a lot of other things to say, but yeah, obviously he just stole the show.
3: <laughs> yeah, when we were watching the beginning in the stadium and it just didn't seem right cuz yeah. there weren't any of the good names in the stadium. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to venture over to the indoor <laughs> You're center and, them from us. <laughs> and I go in the indoor center and <laughs> I see Frost, I see Verduzco, I see Matt Lubick, you know, running this practice. On the, on the field, practically, with those receivers that all got offers and defensive backs, and you had Bramer out there as well, and then Dylan Raiola. I mean, it was yeah. – and we've been around Frost now for four years, and that was far and away the most hands-on and, oh, yeah. and involved I've ever seen him at a camp.
2: Yeah. I, you, they weren't going to leave him alone for a second.
3: Usually at a camp, like, <laughs> Frost is kind of in this walk-around mm-hmm. – head coach mode and he's kind of getting directed look at this guy look at that guy oh shake this guy's hand shake that guy's hand this was this is Dylan Raiola you're the head coach of Nebraska you played with his dad and you're going to run this workout with him for an hour
2: and it was funny too to watch that uh Scott Frost was the one who went over and shut Dylan down, um, you know, while they were throwing one-on-ones. Frost went over, patted him on the chest, and said, good work, uh, you don't have to throw anymore tonight. And yeah, you know, Coach Ferdusko was with him the whole time, and and even when they came outside from inside, um, Frost was still buzzing right around where Rayola was, so um yeah that relationship right there it means quite a bit and like we just said earlier nebraska's got a win to get him on campus
3: and you know dylan riola went to camp at tcu on thursday got an offer nebraska on friday got an offer baylor on saturday got an offer uh, florida state on sunday got an offer uh, missouri i believe offered him i don't know if he went there to camp but they offered him on monday and then on top of that he went to notre dame they have not offered yet so They will. The only people that he's thrown for that haven't offered yet are Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama. Georgia has offered him, um, but you know you you just go down that, and for twenty twenty four, there just can't be. You know, I'd be I'd be curious to know how many twenty twenty four quarterbacks like Kirby Smart's offered right now. I mean, I I would have to. So, yeah, he's going to be a guy, and for Nebraska, you know, it kind of even raises the stakes that much more knowing that you've got a chance at a potential program changing quarterback and they just haven't had those opportunities very often in recent years, especially one where Dominic is such a, you know, advocate for Nebraska. Mm -hmm. He loves it here. I Mm -hmm. mean, when we talked on Friday night, I mean, he was grinning ear to ear and just loved every minute of being a part of front net lights and being back on campus with his close friends and, and other people. So yeah, there's a lot there to chew on here in, in the coming months.
2: And it was also interesting that uh, the whole time they were in Hawk Center, um, Daniel Caitlin was there watching um, the Bellevue West quarterback that also has a Nebraska offer. He wasn't throwing.
3: I would have liked to have seen him throw. I would
2: have too, but his his look on his face, was he was watching Dylan Ray throw that
3: ball, and it was just it was priceless to see. Abby, you got anything to add from what you saw from Friday Night Lights Camp with Dylan Raiola or any of these guys?
8: Yeah, there's a couple guys that also stuck out to me. They had Garrett Oakley there. He's a northern Illinois Mm -hmm. uh, tight end commit, and he actually had a private workout with them earlier in the day at outside linebacker. And Garrett just said that it was really important for him to come and work out at Nebraska. He's from Columbus, and so it was just – Fun to work out in Memorial Stadium, even though he's not planning to come here, but to show the coaches what he's got. And it's always been a dream of his to, uh, you know, be in Memorial Stadium and interact with those coaches.
3: Yeah, these private workouts, Abby, and you worked a lot on them with Brian and I and Mike on Fridays. They were in a whole nother kind of layer to the story where. You know, only a few kids got offers out of these private workouts. I believe, was it three we tracked that came out of the, yeah, they offered three people from private workouts, Jake Applegate, John Pastor, and Jordan Vandenberg, who ended up committing to Penn State. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of guys I think they just kind of put on the list that could be offered guys like Vince Genitone, Carson Hagerly. Um, you know, th- there were a lot of guys that really worked out well. Some junior college offensive linemen came in from Butler and Iowa Central. Um, that are kind of on the burner, at least, so to speak. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as as we put a wrap on camp season. And as of now, we don't expect there to be any private workouts this week, um, but they did three weeks of them in a row. And I, I would venture to guess, Nebraska probably did more of these than anybody in the country. Um, yeah. Around 60 guys came in. And Greg, a lot of the coaches and people I talk to around the country now, 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 places like Iowa, they're not doing them. No. But Nebraska really got a lot out of these. And I think the hope is the NCAA is going to allow these private workouts in the future.
2: Yeah, and I think that uh, other schools are taking notice of uh, how successful it's been. And, and they're going to, as usual, uh, follow Nebraska's footsteps in uh, being a front runner in college football.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and they, I mean, t- talking to like Al Genitone, Vince's dad, They've been a lot of places, and he goes nobody was even close to like the level of detail, organization, and kind of what they did in the private workout, and the way Nebraska shuttled in 20 guys every Friday, there was really very few of anybody in the country doing it at that level. So a lot of credit to Nebraska for bringing in so many guys and getting a fresh look at them. In a lot of years, these were kids that would have to go to Friday Night Lights Camp, and you probably wouldn't get the same eval, but I think these private workouts – um, gave them a, a better look overall, and and let the coaches have more individual time. And this used to be allowed to happen. You know, years ago, I would go to the the camps in Lincoln, and it would be an all you know it would be an overnight camp, two three day camp, and the and the stud guys would come in and they would get their own private workouts within the camp. You can't do that anymore yeah. to that level um, where you break guys off to the side. Um, so that was I think kind of reminding me of what we used to see Greg at camps.
2: Absolutely, And I, th- I think that, uh, you know, this is going to continue because they've found a different way to get kids on campus. And, uh, you know, I think some of these young guys that that had a chance to, to participate in Friday Night Lights and, and the Pipeline Camp on Saturday, I think that they've put themselves in a position now where they're going to receive one of those private workouts next year. Um, a guy like Sam Sledge from Creighton Prep, I think uh, – I think was the most ready football player out on the field on Saturday. Um, He really, he impressed me so much. I know you've liked him a long time for a long time, Sean, but um, I wasn't totally sold on him, but I am now. And I I believe he's an offer guy for Nebraska for, I don't think much
3: separates him and Gunnar Gatula other than Gunnar Gatula is maybe an inch taller.
2: Right. Right. And, and sledge has that edge that he plays with uh, that, that tenacity, um, and the thing that I really, really like about him is he's, he's going a hundred percent all the time. Even when he's done with a rep, he sprints back to the other. He's like Garrett Nelson, um, same kind of attitude. And, you know, I like that kind of an attitude.
3: Well, there's going to be a lot to keep track of. Uh, Brian Munson is going to join me next here though. We're going to talk more about the visitors, the numbers, where things go next here in the month of June. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
7: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad
0: this is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Brian Munson as, you know, Brian, I, I felt like Monday night, I almost kind of caught my breath a little bit. It, it's been that kind of weekend, that kind of June, um, Father's Day um it was a very busy Father's Day for us. Uh, I, I, I joked to, to you, I was sitting in Texas Roadhouse having my Father's Day steak, and there the Grant Page kept commit pops, but luckily we were ready to go uh, for that. But it does feel like, at least for now, things have kind of slowed compared to the rapid pace we had seen maybe the previous 17 days. Without
1: a doubt. I think I think it was about 8. 30 Sunday night. I think I finally kicked back on the couch to enjoy a little college world series. I think the world series is that night. Maybe I watched some Monday night too, but I I don't think I really like I didn't move that much during father's day. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. You know, I kind of forgot that it was even father's day uh, myself personally. So um, yeah, I I feel like this is a little bit more of a dial down week. We've got a midweek visitor that's currently on campus. We've got one more coming in this weekend, at least that we know about at this point. Could be more, but, um, yeah, this is definitely a relaxing kind of week before we head into the dead period.
3: Well, Nebraska now at seven commits, and and the number of the class size is going to continue to be a topic. I mean, I think we're going to go anywhere from as low as 12 all the way up to 17, 18, and nobody really knows, but they add three since our last show. Richard Torres we talked about last week from San Antonio. They get Ashton Hayes. Uh, the running back out of Nevada, uh, Jake Applegate from Lincoln Southeast, over the weekend, and then Grant Page uh, committed on Sunday. So they go wide receiver, OLB, running back, and you know we're we're doing a weekly recruiting board, Brian, and and things are really just starting to to kind of sort themselves out. It feels.
1: Yeah, I think the offensive board that we put together last night and, and ran this morning looks. Uh, Looks pretty good. Now, the the part that obviously isn't moving very quickly is the offensive line, um, and I think that that's there's a number of guys. We got a three and out story coming up tomorrow, and I don't want to divulge too much there, but I'm going to kind of give some projections or some ideas, or giving some people some names to follow throughout the month of July up to basically the, the start of some of these guys' senior seasons where they say that they're going to commit, and there are some offensive linemen in those in those kind of bubbles, and I also put down like who I said I felt like Nebraska was kind of the favorite for at the moment. So there's some names to kind of look for in the three and out article. Um, But I think think that it's – the offensive side of football is coming together well. The defensive side, I think, is going to come together in a flurry. I think it's going to be one of those deals where it's like it's just going to go bing, 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 and it's going to be like defensive back, defensive back, defensive end. And it's just going to be like, oh, wow. So we just went from 7 to 10, and you just added three more guys to the defensive side of the football. So uh, very, very, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that kind of all happens in a very quick and, and tight window manner.
3: Yeah, Brian, when I look at the class right now, there are two position areas where I just feel like nobody has a clean read. Offensive line and, and kind of how that's going to shake out and then the secondary. Um, and, and that's not a surprise. Travis Fisher probably operates under the radar as much as any coach. He's very quiet on social media, but he's always delivered. He's always got guys here, um, but kind of seeing how that's going to play out for his two to three spots. And then obviously Greg mm-hmm. Austin's two to three spots on the O-line. Those to me remain the biggest mysteries. I completely agree. In fact, you've got maybe a guy that's going to take an official visit before
1: he commits and John Pastor, that could be the guy that grabs one of those two to three spots for Greg Austin. So, and then if you look, I mean, I, I think that you really hit the nail on the head with Fisher when it comes to the guy that kind of goes out there and and has a couple of his low key dudes kind of hanging around out there. Look at what we, what we confirmed today, Jaden Mangum uh, from Michigan is coming in this weekend uh, got some really, really, really nice offers. Four-star athlete. Definitely more of a DB kind of a guy uh, that, that can hang back there, but could, could play offense, could play wide receiver, has some really nice film. But I, I think, you know, when you start talking about Mons and, and you start talking about Powell, both those guys are, are, are very, very high on the Huskers. And you start talking about Markeith Williams and, and Nathan Bale. Well, the difference from that is that Nathan Bale is going to take an official visit this fall, and Keith Williams says he's going to get out in July. Now, I, I think Nebraska is actually in a good good position with Keith Williams, despite the fact that they're going up against the Hurricanes, the Buckeyes, and the Gators. So that's a very, very interesting guy to kind of keep an eye on right there when it comes to the, the secondary. And that's going to come off uh, in July. So will Mons. Uh, a lot of interesting things happened back there in the back half of the
3: defense. We're talking recruiting here with Husker on lines, Brian Munson and, you know, Nebraska. I, I thought they would be on the high end, Brian, of official visitors in the conference. But, you know, it's surprising to me to see how many other teams have brought in a ton of officials in the Big Ten Conference. I mean, you go up and down the line. Northwestern has had 29 officials in with just six total commits right now. Ohio State's at 33, Illinois 26, Penn State 23, and then Nebraska's in there at 19. Um, So they're right in the middle, which kind of surprised me. I thought that that'd be on the high end, but it just tells you how nuts it is across the league for everybody in June and how much of a scramble it is to kind of get things going in June.
1: But I think that you know they've also been very effective um they've got five of those 19 guys in the class uh from from those 19 visitors i I just mentioned probably you know four i could probably think of four other guys maybe five that i feel pretty good about would you know slap a bet on that i think that they end up in the class um I, i think that they've been tremendously effective with bringing the guys that they feel like they had a great shot to get, the guys that kind of pass muster when it comes to their profile and, and how they want to kind of build the program, the things that they're looking for when it comes to identifying a recruit. They're going about it a little bit differently this year, and and I think to a lot of people that's music to their ears because I think that the, the high numbers, numbers of attrition when it comes to South Florida guys, guys just not panning out, you know, when it comes to other situations, I think that they're really trying to get this down to kind of a science to figure out, like, what kind of guy is gonna work, you know, in that situation, obviously. And I think that they're really trying to 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 push that this year.
3: We're talking recruiting here with Brian Munson. Um I want to hit back on that offensive line. Um Brock pass or um I keep saying Brock. Uh P- pastor Brock Pastor, there's a name for the past I I, I I get I get it all mixed up there with Pastor, but he's not coming in, at least as him now for the weekend and he's going to be at Kansas State, but he's been to Nebraska twice: once for a private, then two weeks later for a pipeline. I'll be curious how that shakes out, especially if Kansas State, who kind of needs to get one on the board against Nebraska. I mean, if you talk, if you, if you talk about a team that's just been shredded up. by I mean, mean, and, and then I, I kind of chuckled. I was talking to Quantavius Gaskins, the corner Nebraska offered, and he's visiting Kansas state this weekend too. Um, you know, so like they're, they've kind of squared off more than we've ever seen before for some of the same kids. Yeah. And pastor.
1: So he, I thought, I thought maybe he might go ahead and try to get an official visit in this weekend as well. And I was like, well, maybe we can confirm another guy. Well, he's going on vacation, so that that's not going to happen. So that he is out of the equation, wants to make a decision before the start of his senior year. I would say right now that it looks very, very good for Nebraska based on what he was kind of telling me tonight. Um, so I know that the, people, <laughs> the folks on Red Sea Scrolls, are looking for a little bit more of KSU board reaction material, but uh, yeah, they, they may get some there with Pastor when he, when he commits to Nebraska.
3: You don't uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, Mike Mattia does a thing called Message Board Musings where he takes the opposing team's fan bases when something bad happens to them where it involves Nebraska. And so Nebraska's beaten Kansas State, I believe, for two or three guys here in the last week. And we take those board postings on the Red Sea Scrolls and – get the popcorn out and everybody just gets a good laugh um, reading those and so they will be interesting to see but i'll tell you this brian um you know who's visiting kansas state this weekend too vince genitone who's that? vince genitone wow they well they it, slid in know. and got him in this weekend so watch keep an eye on that everybody wants to offer vince but when when you're on these covid light scholarship numbers he kind of doesn't make the cut but you know they might come in and, and try to try to get this one knowing that frost wants to offer this guy
1: yeah that would put some salt in the wound of the old super seniors covid kind of thing hanging over nebraska's head right now because i think that in any other year genitone has an offer um and and that's and that's really depressing to kind of say that you know it's impacted this 2022 group as much as the 2021 group was impacted before with the extended dead period and the pandemic etc so um, good for good for Genitone. I, heck of a player uh, tested incredibly well would be an amazing fit, you know, somewhere he's going to play Division one football. No doubt about it. He is a Division one football player. It's just a matter of where will that actually be?
3: Well, lots to keep up on as we do expect some news to break always here in the month of June as this is it, then the dead period goes into effect Monday. Um, But we still think from now until 4th of July, there's going to be a lot of pieces that move. So make sure you follow Brian Munson, Mike Mattia, Greg Peterson, everyone on the Husker Online, Abby Barmore. I'd be remiss if I um, forgot our newest member of our team who's been outstanding with her work this June as well. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.